Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome in alongside Royden Ogletree. And uh, Royden, uh, we have some, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to do this now, just as we try to find, you know, after the first few months of this show, yeah. what the show is. Right. Like what we're doing. We're going to do new things when we can. But um, all top fives. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do, uh, we did a, I'm sure you, you might even saw it. You saw the, uh, uh, the the thing we did on the CW, the sports night yeah. during the holidays. Yeah. It was all top fives. <laughs> you know what? Like we're gone. We gotta Look, do something. It works, man. Yeah, exactly. So um but we uh but anyway, um we're gonna do an NFL NFL segments now. Like you're gonna kinda throw those in. It's football. We're gonna throw some basketball in here in the coming weeks. All we're right. gonna we're gonna grow this out a little bit. We're gonna see we're gonna plant some seeds and see what grows. I can't wait to hear your opinions on like the Miami Heat. Yeah, you I don't know. know if we're gonna get there. Uh, like the February Milwaukee Bucks, like I yeah, want to hear. I like, um, and I've said this before. Like, I'm I'm a guy. I like I enjoy the NBA. I yeah. do, but I don't like. It's not my first go to with the sports bar. Oh, you know, you like mean the, co- you mean college basketball? All right. Yes, college basketball. Like I, uh, I'm far more intrigued by like you know college basketball, and even though it's less important, like the regular season, the same. Football, you know, you can take a couple losses, but there's some like real intensity there. Like, you know, you'll never see, you know, the best player from Kentucky just sitting out because he's like, you know, I played three days ago. (laughs) I, I mean, my knee hurts. Yeah, (laughs) like I, you know, like look, who does this two times a week now? Yeah, (laughs) it's not. (laughs) That's that's the thing. Like the regular season, because I know that they're trying to change that, but the regular season, the NBA, they've got to they've got to shoot some more life into it for me because I grew up in the era of the Bulls and the Pistons and the Lakers and like that kind of well, when, when I was killing a kid. each other on the court. Yeah, and then like the Pat Riley Knicks. So like, you know, you would watch a game, like you would watch Bulls Knicks and it was like you would see guys with like welts on their face. Right. You know, and that like it wasn't phasing them. Like it was hardcore ne- defense when you could run out there and punch a guy. Yeah. I'm sure like Draymond Green watches stuff from like 1995 Knicks and is <laughs> like born in the wrong era. And he's man. like and he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> why am I? Why, the, well, the hold villain. on. <laughs> like, I just watched Anthony Mason like straight throw a guy into Alonzo Mourning, and they just called a regular foul. The people, <laughs> of, the people of Detroit treat Bill Ambeer like he's a hero. Yeah. Look, he was here. So I, I've met Bill Ambeer a couple times because when he was a WNBA coach, yeah. He would come and scout Lady Bears games because they were, you know, chock full of NBA, WNBA talent. And so. I remember one time meeting him, like just kind of in passing in the press room at the Farrell Center. And then I met him again when he was seated right next to me. And as a kid who grew up 
in like early 90s and like when I was little, yeah. like 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. And Bill Lambeer is like one of these enforcers. I like, I was started talking to him and I said, I hope, I said, you know, do people ask you to like throw an elbow to them? Just give them like, a forearm shiver? Just give them like a straight elbow to the chest yeah. so they can say you did that. And he goes, no, but I should charge for that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you could. I said, you could. I said, you could leave this whole coaching thing behind and just go to conventions and throw elbows right. <laughs> into people. Like, go like, what, like, I promise you there are, there are, Hundreds of thousands of Detroit Piston fans that he just, you know, put on a con like the Bad Boys convention every year. And like, right. all right, here's my hundred dollars. I hope Bill Lambeer gives me a black eye. For twenty dollars, <laughs> Vinnie Johnson will cross you over. But for a hundred and ten dollars, <laughs> Bill Lambeer will put you in a chokehold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, those things. He, they could they could make some serious money. I mean, look, there's big time That's a actors. Different convention, that, by the way. Yeah, but. there's <laughs> there's big time actors that go do conventions right. like that. Yeah. You know, like. Sometimes I'm surprised by looking through Instagram, like Robert De Niro's at a Comic Con. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> they play well. Uh, so anyway, I. Uh, but uh, we're going to try some different things mm -hmm. out. Uh, and uh, but first off, we're going to talk about look, San Jose State's Brent Brennan on his way to Arizona, and the coaching cycle is almost complete. Now we'll have to maybe do this again if Michigan makes an outside hire. If Jim Harbaugh takes an NFL job, and I say if, meaning when, when he does that, I, I really honestly think that once the Chargers complete their interviews, they're just going to call Jim back and be like, hey, would you like to coach Justin Herbert? And he's going, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, would you like to live in San Diego? Yeah. Mm, you know. Yeah. So, um, I... Which, by the well, way... It's not San Diego, it's LA now. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's... I can't. I know it's hard. Back. Um, it's hard. They should move back. They should move back, but they it would take the owner to. It's going to take a new owner. Yeah. To like say, all right, yeah, we're going to build a stadium of our own dollar and all that there. So, but no, I, I um so Brent Brandon goes to Arizona. I think it's a really good hire. He's done. I did not realize like, and here's the here's why this is crafty a good hire. So, Garrett, uh, we talked about this all day yesterday, so you know. Okay. Arizona has a $240 million budget shortfall Correct. due to some sort of accounting error. What? Which, yes. So they have this big, yep. gigantic budget I, I shortfall that they're, that they're dealing with. Well, when it comes down to, okay, we, they, they also can't, because of Arizona state law, give coaches contracts longer than five years. So when someone like Jed Fish has a career season – you're going to probably lose him mm -hmm. because, you know, they're not going to give you longer than five years. Washington came in, gave him seven. They doubled his salary. Um, Arizona's not in a position to be like, hey, um, we need to double our coach's salary. And they're like, yeah, um, we are going to only run hot water three days a week yeah. <laughs> through the we'll athletic. we eating ramen yeah. for months. Yeah. So look, look um, cold showers for football, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then nobody come up here and even turn lights out on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to shut the breaker off completely. They've no. adopted all of the ERCOT stipulations. <laughs> exactly. That's what they have. So, no, but you have that budget shortfall. Well, San Jose State has maybe the most shoestring athletic budget in all of FBS. Like, coaches set up their own – like, position coaches set up their own drills. There's not, like, seven – like – Right now, like even Arizona, like mm -hmm. Brent Brennan will be able to be like, "Hey, 
three GAs go set up this drill while the assistant coach like talks to the guys and does this. At San Jose State, they literally have to set up their own drills. And like, I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you're, you know, at the FBS level, like even San San Diego State, who's in the same conference as San Jose State, like they have GAs that do that. San Jose State has like two GAs because their budget is just smaller. It's what they do. And for him to go to three bowl games in four years at San Jose State on one of the most shoestring budgets athletically and especially football-wise in America means I think this guy can coach a bit. Yeah, it's also a good scheme fit, too. I don't know how much San Jose State football, like our audience has watched over the past few years, but they're fun to watch, them and Fresno State. And to a, to a point, San Diego State. It's like it's really fun and entertaining football. Yeah, but uh, budget restrictions aside, I don't know how that's going to fare the first well, year in Arizona. Well, I mean, and he's going to go and he's stepping into the Big Twelve, and it's a new league. And but he did potentially get some good news today, in that it appears that Noah Fafita and um, Mc. That is the name. Tatoria McMillan, his wide receiver who's amazing, are going to stay at Arizona. That's big news. Yeah. Because a lot of people just thought that, you know, Jed Fish is having his press conference right now at Washington. And then after he gets done with that, Noah Fafita and McMillan are just going to get on a plane together and go like, Let's move to Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> I love gonna, grunge. We're going to be like Frazier season one. Like, <laughs> let's go. Uh, so, that, but that's not, um, but that's not like, you know, that's not going to happen now. But it did, like, it does bring up, and I've thought about this. I've Didn't thought about quarterback it. quarterback transfer or no? Yeah, well. Delora, Delora so, entered the portal. Yeah. yeah. Jane Delora is at Texas State now. Right. Now, for Washington, there's been an interesting development with Will Rogers in that, he put his name in the portal. I think he took a visit somewhere, but he's at class apparently today, and so he might stay with Jed Fish, which would be a nice way for Jed Fish to start, knowing he at least has that locked up. Because but didn't all he the tweet rest of the he was like transferring. He, he's in the portal, but yeah. he's not gone yet. So like he can always you can always pull your name out of the portal. It happens. I don't want to say all the time, but it happens. Yeah. It happens enough. You know, um, I think everybody, every team who has like guys in the portal will have one that like one or two that like, yeah, I'm in the portal too. And they're like, I'm going to go get money somewhere. And then they're like, no money. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm making as much as I can right here. So I'll just stay. Turns and- out the market for me was uh, highly <laughs> overestimated. <laughs> yes. Um, part of it is you get people in your ear, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, well, I mean, you're the second linebacker at Alabama, but you'd be the first at Louisville, mm-hmm. and they'll pay you way more money. And then you call up Louisville, and they're like, yeah, no, that's about what you're worth. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, these, we can give you meal tickets to Papa John's. We'd, we'd love to have you, but, like, you know, if, it, if this is about you getting a raise, it's not going to happen. And you're like, right. well, I don't think I want to move. You know, yeah. like, moving's for pain, even when you're in college, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like when even when you have no things, right? It's still a pain. <laughs> so, um, but Ari Wasserman in the Athletic wrote about this, and I thought about this, and he even called it the the Lincoln Caleb rule, in that from that time that Lincoln Riley took the USC job, and then took a couple players, but most notably the best quarterback in the country, just with him 
to USC, I thought like, you know, I know that like you don't want to restrict athletes too much, but like there has to be something to keep this from getting too, too shady, right? Right. Where, you know, I kind of agree with Ari that like, okay, you can go anywhere except the place that that head coach went. So uh, how do you feel about that, Garrett? I disagree with that because okay. I feel like it nowadays, while most players traditionally should commit to a school or a program, that's not the case, right? You're committing to a coach. Um, and you bring it up all the time, right? Like if you're going to do that, you better make sure you commit to the head coach, not your yeah. position coach, yeah. yada, yada, yada. But if your head coach, the person you committed for, is leaving, I have no problem with you following them elsewhere. Um, now, if you're going to go in, like say you're a quarterback, say Fafita was going to go with him and you have Will Rogers there established as the guy. Now, if you're going to cause roster conflict, I might be a little apprehensive with that, but I don't mind a player following his coach if that's who he wants to be with and develop throughout his career. I don't, I, that doesn't bother me. Yeah, and it – Goes even further down, down too, with like Lincoln Riley also took a lot of commits with yeah. him to, to USC, too. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah, he did. So I get like, okay, maybe you guys are convincing me that like maybe it's not that big of a deal. I just, it, it's different. It's than just pretty, like, it's had, had Arizona lost their head coach, quarterback, best wide receiver, and like yeah. five of the players, like, man, does this seem even, because look, if you're going to go to the NFL model, look, if Mike Vrabel, takes the Cowboys job. Right. He can't just – the guys who are under contract, I mean, like, he might be able to get Derek Henry to go there with him because he's a free agent. Right. But he can't just go, you know what I'd like? I'd like uh, these two guys. Like, I'd like Jeffrey DeAndre Simmons. Hopkins. Come yeah, on I want down. Jeffrey Simmons to come with me because the Cowboys really need a guy like that. So, Jeffrey, transfer to the Cowboys. You know? Right. Like, that's where, you know. I don't know. I think I think because it's so wide open, we've we've – wax poetic about why it some some limitations need to be put on it i don't mm -hmm. know what they are completely yeah. honest with you because it's like you don't want to restrict forever it was you we were are restricting these players from doing what is in their best interest yeah uh or for you know their family or their future prospects what have you there's been a number of arguments about why mm -hmm. the 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 wait a year transfer rule thing doesn't make a lot of sense uh I tend to agree with that up to a point where now though we have wholesale we have wholesale just shift every single year yeah. and there's no continuity anymore and these programs are having to rebuild from scratch it seems like every year even these major programs are you know like are having to bring in dudes that may not fit right away instead of growing players and, mm -hmm. and growing a team. And it leads to, in some parts of the, some parts of the country, a lesser product. Now, some parts it, it, we have said, we always talk about where it has worked. Yeah. But like Washington is the prime example of that. Yeah, it worked great. It worked awesome. Now, now they're getting the other sign of, right. side of that when, well, they've, look, they're already going to have eight it, guys in the, in the draft, but now it's, Almost all 22 starters are gone. Is it so. bad radio to be like, I don't have the answer? Because I'm yeah. just... No, I, it's fine. Like, it's fine to... Like, I'm fine speculating on this and, like, finding what the, the thing is. But it does just kind of suck that, like, you can not only lose your head coach and your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator and, like, have to start over on that side. But then, like, oh, not only that, but, like, the quarterback that he was hoping to have is, is probably also going to leave, too. Right. You know. Is there a way that... 
and this is probably illegal and would probably go together with the, the forming of unions and everything. But if you are an NIL collective, could you put something like an incentive in? They're already the backing deal? out of half of That's these what I'm saying. Like, say, okay, say if you're an Arizona collective guy, uh, you give Fafita, when he signs his deal, you have one year where you completely have to stay with this program. Like, could you do Well, I that? think a lot of that has to, like, we had uh, one of the NIL, like a lawyer, NIL yeah. lawyer on, and he said, look, a lot of these things, like Dylan Gabriel has some, you know, we have to find a way to replace some of Dylan Gabriel has some appearances that yeah, he's yeah, not going to yeah. be able to, like, fulfill, yeah. fulfill because now he's up in Eugene, Oregon, and, you know, he's he's gone. Look, that's his choice, but he he knew that, but that was in the contract that we agreed to with this business and all these other things. So now we have to find somebody else for that business. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's not going to get that money, and now I have to go find, for Dylan Gabriel, money to replace the money that he decided to forego, but he's right. still going to want it because it's my job to find him these things. And this he's this is in one of the NIL agents that talked to us. And it's, so, I mean, it's like, not, it's, those, those kind of exist, but, like, you can... Maybe incentivize them to be like, listen, if you do not enter the transfer portal, you're going to guaranteed 15% raise in, you know, one year, 25% the next year. Yeah, you know, it'd be interesting 35% if they start the writing in sliding yeah. scales yeah. into yeah, these like, contracts. If you stay here for, you know, all four years or whatever, like, you're going to get this much no matter what. You know, provided you're still on the team. So, well, your question specifically was like, should they be allowed to follow their coach directly to yeah. these places? I tend to lean yes. I tend I, I tend to lean uh, on the side that, hey, I wanted to just come play for this coach. That's why I wanted to play here. I wanted to play for Lincoln Riley because he's the kingmaker or whatever for quarterbacks. Uh, it gets a little, it, you know, it starts to get a little, little dicey when you start looking at lesser head coaches. Like, I'm going from, you know, I don't, I, I can't even think of an example because I don't want to besmirch a school, but like a lower school. Say, say, let's say UTSA for example, or what, or what have you. UTSA because he's been linked to try and take all these jobs. He was linked to the A and M job. A lot of people at Baylor wanted, you know, wanted uh, him to be up there. You've had success at those levels, and then so you start to you start to kind of get in the weeds when we aren't telling these we aren't telling these student athletes like is it always greener on the other side? And there's been articles written about like you know fifty percent of people that enter the transfer portal don't even find a new home mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. I I think just more needs to be made about alerting these people and they're college kids. So you may never even get through. Yeah. Like you could, you could have told me anything in the world when mm -hmm. I was 20 years old. I made, I probably wouldn't have listened to you, but I think there just needs to be more made about like, look, it may not always be, you may, and it needs to be on these coaches too. It's like, Hey, if you come here, you may not start either. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Like that's, I think that's what happened with Jordan Maiava when he yeah. went to, to Georgia, I think that Georgia was probably like I don't see Kirby Smart being like, oh yeah, you're totally going to beat out Carson. That, never made, that move never made but, any sense. But he probably said like, look, you're. I mean, you'll have a chance to compete, you know, yeah. like that that kind of thing. Like every job's always open, every practice, all that kind of bull crap, you know. Yeah, <laughs> those things. And except sometimes for, that's true, and sometimes it's except not. for the five star that we paid a million dollars. He probably was going to have the job. But you know, yeah, that one, and then he switched because. 
you know, I'm sure he went back and talked to his family, and they're like, yeah, every job's open, every practice, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, kid, I know that you probably had fun there, but let's, let's if you want to start or have a chance to start, you need to go in a place that you're going to have a legit competition in spring and not like, oh, hey, let's see what this guy can do for maybe when Carson Beck goes and gets drafted in the first round next year. Right. They'll hit the ground running. And, like, not only that, like, you're going to a place that you'll have three five-stars behind you. Like, they're, like Georgia, Georgia's, like, they'll take a three-star quarterback if it's the, like – They've got one scholarship available. They're like, well, we might as well take this kid. He was Mr. Georgia football in Rome, Georgia. Like, you know, shoot. It could be the next Stetson Bennett. Come on board. But, yeah, that's that's not how that works there, you know. I don't know. I think it just really would take a lot of honesty and a lot of self-reflection from a lot of these guys to really think about what what is actually best for them. And and we I think we do need to get back to a thing in college football where in in pro football for that matter because we have so many like bad quarterbacks like sitting can be good yeah sitting can be good and i don't know how you communicate that part of the problem is is that money accelerates things right yeah like so if i'm an nfl owner and i draft and i I thought this might be fixed a little bit when they came up with the rookie wage scale in the nfl to where you know look sam bradford got 50 million dollars to go to the rams Bef- and then get injured, to, yeah. To, to write his name on paper. Like, that's what he did. And look, that, that was the market bared right then. I'm not mad at Sam Bradford. But if you're an NFL owner, like, you're like, man, I've got it. Like, I just paid this kid $50 million. He's not sitting very long if he's sitting at all. I got to get my money's worth out of this guy, and he better start playing as opposed to sitting there with a clipboard and a headset. Yeah. And I think that that's in college football now, too. Like, you know, like sitting can be – I like I really I give a lot of credit to Dante Moore for just being like, you know what? I like my football career could get derailed if I don't sit somewhere and learn. And so I'm gonna go to Oregon and sit behind Dylan Gabriel for a year and then I'm gonna try and take the world by storm. Right. So there's a lot of humility in that that says, like, yeah, I know that I'm good, but like am I NFL good? Like I mean, isn't that essentially what Arch Manning's doing? Yes. Arch like no, yeah. and art like Arch. And it's, it's kind of strange that Arch is doing that given that, well, Peyton wasn't the guaranteed starter either right, when he yeah. went to Tennessee. I don't know if most people may not know this, but the starting quarterback when Peyton's freshman year at Tennessee was Todd Helton. Oh, yeah. so That is right, yeah. Yes, and then um, Peyton, you know, passed Todd Helton. Todd Helton's like, I don't care. I'm the best first baseman in America. Baseball is more fun. Yeah, like I'm going to go play baseball. No skin off my back. Oh, shucks, I lost that. Uh, And then Eli started really early at Ole Miss too. But uh, but Arch Manning kind of knows. And and the other thing that's happened is that, like we've talked about, that's Arch Manning. He was not playing at the highest level of high school football. So he was going to need this time to be like, oh, crap these guys around me are all a lot bigger and faster, you Mm -hmm. know? And so it's good for him to get that adjustment. Two years of sitting and waiting and like building that talent and growing into like, you know, getting on that meal plan and, you know, doing the things are good. Yes. So those things are good, but it it is good. The only problem is that now these like Arch Manning is getting paid a million dollars. He's getting paid more money than like Quinn Ewers and getting more press than like Quinn Ewers. (laughs) And it's just like, that can't be good, you know? For us, for the site, obviously it hadn't affected them so far. But I like, like, I think every every Texas fan, anytime he throws an interception next year, is going to be like, "Oh my God, where is Arch Manning?" Yeah. Well, and look, that's the case. That's been in time of like, boredom, but that's yeah. that's that's the case with all the backup quarterbacks. Always the most popular guy, yeah. especially especially when his last name is 
Manning, you know, right. like it's just that that's going to be because what Texas fans and, and here's what I'm surprised they don't see. None of the Mannings ever won a national championship. Very true. None of them ever did. Eli didn't. Peyton did. Peyton, the Florida Gators owned Peyton Manning. It's, I'm sure, the most shameful thing that's ever happened to him in his life. But the Florida, uh. <laughs> the Florida Gators owned him, right? There's some and, stuff on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Even that. No. Right. <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, the Florida Gators owned Peyton Manning. He couldn't get past the Gators. They were better than Tennessee. Then um, he leaves T. Martin's the quarterback, and Chris Winkie breaks his neck, and they win the – I say he breaks his neck. He had a neck injury oh. against Wake Forest. Uh, and they beat Florida State in 98 and won the title. You know, so, you know, that, like, Peyton never won. Eli never won. God, Archie never won. You know, yeah. like, that, that was, you know. Uh, and so, but people see, like, this is the next man. This is the Manning that will fulfill the college prophecy. The one ring, yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, and so we'll see. And I think it's good that he's sitting. And I think, like, but not everybody also has the luxury of doing that like Arch Manning does. No. You know, so... You know, he may be the worst, a bad example, but there have been plenty of guys who just sat and waited well, their turn. What about, okay, Garrett Nussmeyer would probably be your best example. Yes. He has sat at LSU. He wanted to commit to LSU. He committed to the school. He sat through multiple guys coming in, winning the Heisman, and now he'll have his opportunity this year. But you got so many people who aren't going to be patient enough to do that. And only time's going to tell. I'm apprehensive with that because if you're a quarterback like Nussmeyer who has been sitting this long and you've been getting the reps in practice, you haven't been getting the first team reps. So. Yeah. How far from a developmental standpoint are you set back by waiting? That's the kind of yeah. double-edged sword on it. No, it is. It's it's a really tricky issue. It's well, a the really, days really of Bryce tricky. Petty and Seth uh, Russell, Russell yeah. are, yeah. are far far gone. Yeah, no, um, yeah, Bry like Bryce wasn't going to wait that long. No, and no. but you do have to like you know look Malachi Nelson is going to Boise State. I'm sure he'll be really good at Boise State, but you know sometimes you you know you throw your line out in the water. Mm. And USC to Boise State, as far as prestige goes, is a, is a significant drop-off. Let me ask you this. Is there anything that these schools besides the NIL can do? Or, like, obviously, because the NCAA is going to die, we've, we've all, we're lamenting it in real time. But the, is there anything that these schools, conferences, or otherwise can do besides NIL to, like, can they write it into a stipulation that, like, when you commit to the – that feels like it's going to – that feels like that's going to backfire that now – talking about it but yeah. right into the stipulation like your commitment is for two years like i i do think in ncaa basketball you I have do, to stay a year if you're gonna I, you know i do think that when the new structure comes down that that might be part of it in that like there can be or and you can cole kubelik was on the show and proposed it like yes you can agree to this or you cannot but you you're not gonna have guarantees like you can be a guy who says, yes, I'm going to sign this one year, like, I'll just sign four one-year deals, or you can sign a two-year, like, whatever you can do. And then the transfer portal thing is is at least somewhat contained. Like, there's a lot of different ways they can do it. And I do think, though, because if they're it's going to be to, more like contracts, you but think? Yeah, because, well, it's going to have to be, because if yeah. you're going to be sharing in revenue, like, the, you can't, like, you know, especially when there's going to be clearly also that graduated revenue scale that – if everybody's sharing in this revenue, but the teams that win are going to get more, yeah. like they're going to want to keep people in place for longer. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I don't know. There's going to be something that like balances it out. But until there's, you know, unionization or some sort of employment contract, there's no way to do that right now because, you know, they're, it's this weird entity that doesn't really make yeah, there sense. Is no, there is no governing body, you know. Yeah. I, I just, I think, it I was, think it'll be interesting. Go ahead. It was, so college athletics was something that was invented and when it was invented, it was not designed to really make money, right? Like it was, it was designed. No, no, it was, it was an extra curious. It was, it was basically yes. like if you were playing fraternity sports, it or was whatever, intramural sports. It was the side hustle of universities. Yeah, like any profit they sold on concessions and T-shirts and things like that was just their side hustle. You know, it was their Etsy for people from this era, like, you know, like that's what they were doing. They were just, that's how it was. And granted, again, power brokers came up a lot quicker than people maybe even realized then. But at the end of it, like there wasn't tell, like, you know, there wasn't like nobody was making big radio contracts. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, if your game was on the radio, that was a big deal. Or you had your local radio guy. And then there were three or four channels on television and a couple of them would have games. There'd be two to four games. Yeah. I mean, so like all those things were different. And then when every game can be on TV and these multimedia contracts, and then this goes from an industry that was not for profit to one that is very much for profit. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Not according changed. to their tax bracket, but yes. No, but yes, like it's one of those things that they so now like we're in this phase of a lot of people are like, well, this is not how it was when I was coming up in 1974. You're like, yeah, there's a lot of things that are different in 1974. Try smoking in a restaurant right now. You know, like just things are different. Okay. Let's address how they are, yeah. you know, and not how they were. What do you mean and, I can't smoke in this airplane? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It'll be you interesting kids to and your your wussy seat belts. <laughs> Airbags, so, it just used to be a metal dash. Yeah, those kind of things. We have to move on, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that that's, that's when it'll change. All right, in the next segment, Alabama's roster is open like Costco, really, right now. Mm-hmm. Mike Norvell's shopping in bulk. He's gotten five Alabama guys already, and that's not even to talk about everybody who's going to get some of these recruits that have already been committed for the next couple classes. And I don't know, like, even as good as Kirby Smart is at recruiting, if we will ever see a coach that had a stronghold on talent like Nick Saban. Because people were going to Alabama, even maybe to the detriment of their playing time early on, because Nick Saban said, I want you to come here. And so... In, like, eighth grade, by the way. Yeah, I mean, like, there were guys, like, if Nick Saban said you're going to come here. That's like if Dave Chappelle says, do you want to open for me? Right. Or like, you know, Elton John's like, hey, come out and do 10 songs before I come on. Like, yes, I will do that. Mm. You know, like, (laughs) absolutely. You know, you can't, you cannot match that. So um, are we going to see a completely new era when it comes to talent distribution just because of one guy leaving? I think we are. This It's 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. 
Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, waves, dark fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Thanks for joining us. Uh, once again, I'm Paul Catalina alongside Royden Ogletree and um, Nick Saban retired last week. What? It was <laughs> it was a bombshell. When did this? <laughs> it was a bombshell. It shook up a lot of things, but I joke. I did tell my wife that like two days after it happened, and she was like, "What?" Like she mm. she was stunned. Yeah. She had no idea. Yeah, and it actually like shook her a little bit that she like missed something that big yeah. in the world. I text, which my, is it's like a big deal. I text my wife, and she's like, "I text her all in caps, like yeah. Nick Saban's retiring. Oh my god!" And she's like, "Why are you so excited?" I'm like. I mean, it's pretty huge. We and killed like, God. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like Jack climbed up the beanstalk yeah. and killed the giant. And now he's plummeting to earth. And we can just go back up the beanstalk and take all the stuff. Yeah. Like, how is this not a big deal? <laughs> this would like, if you just told every upstart fast food restaurant that their McDonald's was closing, they'd be like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> There's a power vacuum now? Can we get Burger King out too? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm, about to get, I'm about to get KFC in every vacant building. Yeah, you know, like whatever it is. So, but Nick Saban was so unique in that, and, and there are coaches are you know, that are really good and are going to be able to hoard talent, like better than most. Kirby Smart will, you know. Um, I don't really know if there's anybody else who can right now because it's so different. Like, you, you know. Uh, I, I, you can make an argument. Jim Harbaugh was. Lane Kiffin's trying. Lane Kiffin's trying, but, like, he's his, his door of all, yeah. all right? And Kirby Smart. Dan Lanning is going to be West Coast. Yeah, like maybe. Oh, yeah. like But, again, like, again, the door, because of the transfer portal and all these things, is more revolving. And even though it was revolving at Alabama, Alabama, to me, in the transfer portal era, never lost someone that was totally impossible to replace. Which, and, and we'll see if that happens with Georgia as well. Because I don't think that they will. But... I mean, LSU has, right? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, almost every team in the country, at least for that one year, has lost somebody to a different program that they found impossible to replace. Now, Alabama was, with their two total losses this year, wonky to a point of they couldn't um, just dominate through injuries. They had to win in a lot of different ways. That was the biggest difference between – you know, pre-portal saving and post-portal saving is in the post-portal saving era, you could he was not able to just all right, well, 
the left guard and the, the right tackle are both hurt, and we got two wide receivers down, and we're out a linebacker. Well, we probably won't play as well, but all these guys that are going to start next year are just going to play these four games. We're not going to be without them. The and sophomore then, and junior depth yeah, guide. Exactly. So instead of winning by 35, they won by 26. You know, it just, that was it. But now, like you saw this year where, you know, instead of winning by 35, they won by four. You know, it was yeah. like, all right, we're still good enough to beat you, but we're not necessarily good enough to blow you straight out. And I think that – uh, Georgia was a little bit the same way this year for the first part of it, and then they adjusted and then got through. But Nick Saban was able to get people just because he was Nick Saban, and there's no, never going to be another one. So when it comes to – I think we're going to see maybe, uh, uh, especially with the 12-team playoff and everything going on, you're going to see some, some nice runs from other programs that would have gotten guys if it was just not for Nick Saban. Right. If it was not Nick Saban asking me, I would have probably gone here. But I'm not going to miss the chance to play for the greatest coach ever. Right. And he was getting guys that, I mean, it, it was, it harkened back to like the 70s and 80s when these coaches, like Texas would, would rip guys from Baylor and AM just because they didn't want them on Baylor and AM. You know what I mean? They would, and they'd just go and sit. And we were talking about sitting in the last segment, but like, but he had, it was just this unbelievable thing where he had the guys like, why would you go there? You're not even going to play yet. And then they'd come out, they'd have two awesome seasons as a junior and a senior. Oh, you're the first round. You're the first pick. Like mm -hmm. he couldn't do that anymore. It, it, it was unbelievable to see how many guys he just got how many like four and five star guys he just got as almost add on pieces mm -hmm. as depth? It, 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 I, I Kirby Smart's doing it a little bit because we saw a few years ago when when Baylor played them and like half their team set out in the Sugar Bowl and they still dominated us yeah. with like five star sophomores or whatever mm -hmm. that yeah. hadn't played all year. Yeah, he's doing that a little bit, but it is. He's got five more national titles to win before he gets that kind of right. street cred, it's, though. It's – he didn't have to, like, call to set up a meeting. Yeah. That kind of power. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm, at, I'm in – I'm in Dothan. Like, I want to see your best player. You yeah. know what I mean? No. He just, just could show up. Yeah. I don't know. I – like, Michael Scott, I started a sentence, and I don't know where it's going to lead me. But I just th – I think the far gone are the days of, like, having those guys that – that would sit for two or three years and then come in and be a first round first round pick. I don't I, I, I don't want to say that we won't ever see it again because we didn't ever think that we'd see another Bear Bryant until there was another Bear Bryant. Yeah. What I'm more it's just going to be a lot harder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I'm more interested to see is sort of the parody in that that we saw when Alabama was down from the when was the last time they were like. From the 80s when they won that national championship. 92. 92. 92. When they won that national championship until 2007, mm -hmm. where you had a little more parity. Obviously, it was dominated by, like, the Florida schools. But – And Nebraska. And Nebraska. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm interested to see what who fills that power vacuum. Probably Georgia. Well, but, look, I'm going to tell you, it's great news for Florida, LSU, Miami, Florida State – 
those schools because Nick Saban, like, now Miami was a little bit before 2007. Florida was right, like, you know, once Tebow left, that's when they're, they started to dip um, because he was the magnet of that, like, you've got these guys, that, like, you know, Urban Meyer. Like, once Urban Meyer and Tebow left, that's when, when that happened. But because, you know, Nick Saban's the one who ended the, the Florida run, right? Yeah. They beat him in the SEC title game, and then that was, that was when it was on for Alabama, for, for the Saban era. And so when that happened, it's not surprising to see two bad stretches of Florida State history a very long stretch of bad Florida and an even longer one of Miami in that, where do you think he was going? He stole all their recruits. Yeah. So because Nick Saban, like the ones that they were even divide, like essentially for the nineties, they were kind of all dividing them up evenly. And then based on two or three guys that swung a certain way, you know, you, you were the best team of the group. Right. Yeah. But you know, Bowden and Spurrier and, it was different Miami coaches, but like whoever the Miami coach were was essentially just like, okay, um, here's our 25, your 25, your 25. You know, we really fought hard for these couple. These are the ones that s- swung. You know, I think Bobby was more successful than the other two in the longer term because his staff didn't change that much. Like he had this, for the most part, the same staff the whole time. And, um, and then like when actually it started to, to, you know, Urban Meyer came in, was way younger, and, like, knew how to work a cell phone. And then that <laughs> kind of changed for Bobby, and that's when Jimbo came in. But um, they, like, but where did he go? Like, now Nick Saban went everywhere. But right at the beginning, like, getting those dudes that were the difference makers that were divided evenly up amongst three schools, or maybe even four or five, then all of a sudden he just went deep in Dade County. And, and took them all. You know, so... Back when it was a, there were, okay, the tw- let's just say the 12 best players in Miami, four, four, and four, he was getting nine of them. <laughs> like, so then it's like the other three get to fight over one apiece on average, and they may or may not get them. So it's if they do it right, the Florida schools should really benefit from this more than anything else because they're local. But we'll see. Like, you know, who knows, like, what's going to happen. Now, like, Kirby Smart's already kind of doing this, but now that, like, you have Nick Saban gone and, the like, the Pope is gone. Yeah. Like, that's it. The Pope of college football is gone. So that is going to be interesting to see how those White programs – coming out of the Waffle Houses. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, those programs react to it and how those ones that, like – and, look, LSU won national titles without Nick Saban. Right, yeah. But – they were probably also hurt by the fact that he was really good at, and this is where LSU was really hurt by Nick Saban. The one guy that would have flipped it in most years was going there instead of LSU, and you'd watch those games and be like, you know, those three guys that were down to us and them, oh, if terrible. they had just gone this way, we'd probably win this game. That yeah. you get a damn quarterback. Yeah, that, like, yes, Joe Burrow, you know, St. Joseph. <laughs> Blessed be his name. Of Ohio came down and helped them out. You know, like, that's that's how it was. But I'm curious to see how that, like, not having that gigantic death star of a situation that they had in Alabama. Like, now that the Rebel Alliance has a shot, 
like what's going to happen and how that talent gets redistributed and who is the best at roping it all in. Right. I mean, right now, your coach. But um, Well, I mean, he's like, honestly, I, the reason I use the Costco thing is, like, he has gone to the Alabama Costco mm -hmm. and so far taken five guys out of the portal. Now, how that works out remains to be seen. He's pretty good at that. So yeah, He can identify portal players. But, but none of them have contributed all that much to Alabama, but they're younger players, so clearly they went there, and they'd probably be staying if Nick Saban was there and, and playing this year, but... They've gone there, and they've walked up, and they've said, yes, I will take a large 40-gallon tub of mayonnaise. Let's go. And that's what they're doing. So, I mean, when you see one school alone getting five guys, yeah. Georgia's going to get a couple guys. You know, like those, you know, there's a ripple effect here that is unlike any roster maybe ever in the history of – in this short history of the transfer portal, no one's roster is going to get raided – and cycled like Alabama's will this year. And they were already rating it before Saban, before Saban left. Like, yeah. Anytime somebody said, like, hey, I don't think I'm going to play here, they're like, come here, because Saban thought you're good, I think you're good. Exactly. Half of them went to TCU. But <laughs> I, I just, like, I, I think, um, you know, woe is – everybody's going to say, you know, woe is me for, Alab for the Alabama fans and alumni out there. Uh, but I just think – I'm interested to see what happens with that program because I was doing the math the other day, and the guy after Saban went four seasons, won three bowl games, had a winning record of like 35-13-1, and, and they said, go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We cannot deal with you anymore. <laughs> they, they, I forget what his name was. I have it in my Twitter feed, but like he – he had a winning record, 35-13-1, which would uh, you would kill for that. at uh, you Many know, schools. Many, many schools. Most schools. Yeah. My alma mater included. Yeah. And won three bowl games, and they're just like not good enough. The coach after Bear Bryant, not good enough. And it took two more coaches before they got to um, – Stallings. Stallings, yeah. Gene Stallings. Yeah, before they got to him to win the national championship. And even he didn't last – well, he, uh, like, he, he retired after the national championship. Yeah. Like, he was. He but then done. from there, it was like doldrum. Everybody forgets how bad Alabama was mm -hmm. for until Nick Saban got back there. Yeah. Or got there in, in general. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see when you, yeah, when you don't have that power, when, when the U.S. leaves the state that they have, they have been having war in for, yeah. for years. What kind of power vacuum does that leave in the well, no, SEC? That's a, good, that's a good comparison. Now, look, for he built, in my opinion, two dynasties, although one of them he was not a part of for most of it, because LSU before Saban got there Ooh, was a was revolving bad. door of why is this not good? Yeah. I mean, the guys like Curly Hallman, and they just – I just didn't – they could never hire the right coach. They had this glory from the 60s and 70s, but then from – they would be good. They would have good teams in the 80s, but they were never competing for anything no. really like that was – you know, they had a couple, but then Nick Saban came there and then like made LSU the place. Then he went to the Dolphins, and then LSU was able to take what they learned from Nick Saban and then – keep that vein running through this whole time through now several coaches. So he, he kind of built LSU into, he taught them how to run a football program. He went to the Dolphins, 
They learned nothing from Nick Saban. Uh, they they were never a match from the Dolphins anyway. I actually think he did. Uh, um, did not he, go to college to pro football anymore. Yeah, I think he did. I, I like that. Like I like I think with the right organization, we've never seen Nick Saban back in college. Hmm. But there's not that many right organizations. Yeah. Right. So there's not that many. But the Dolphins never been run well. You know, like they're just not. We were talking about it. A couple of owners. We don't include the Dolphins into like the doldrums of like shameful, you know, shame. And we don't include them into like really beaten down fan bases. They, they're like up there kind of with like the Browns with, they've had more success than that. Obviously they've won a Super Bowl, but like they haven't won a playoff game since the Mm nineties, I believe. Yeah, it's been bad for, like, Dolphins fans. Yeah. Like, Tua has been their best quarterback. Or we're getting an NFL segment. Tua has been their best quarterback since Dan Marino. And they're like, I don't even know if we want to keep him anymore. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway, I just think that uh, – but the, fu- the funny thing is is that Nick Saban, he wins at LSU. But Nick Saban wasn't Nick Saban until he was Nick Saban. You know what I mean? I mean, if you kind of look – at his coaching record before he gets to LSU, he has success at Michigan State. And then, you know, well, yeah, Michigan, comes out of nowhere to win the championship at LSU. Michigan State was the, like, he... He's you know, got it a little bit. He's got, well, he, I mean, I think they knew he had it. Like, I, I have a friend who played for him and was like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's something. Like, you know, just compared to other coaches. They, like, just knew it differently. So, so we just don't think that there's going to be a coach that, like, we're just not yeah, seeing. No. That but, yeah, can no, but I do like all of a sudden turn into yeah. an all time great. Yeah. And I do believe this about a lot of coaches and players when it comes to professional sports. If you're not matched with the right situation at the right time, that's fair. It's not going to work for you. And because everybody's got such short memories on things or long memories when it comes to Nick Saban, I guess it's been a long time. People think like, oh, he was a bad NFL coach. Well, it did. It clearly didn't suit him either. Like he wanted to go back to college. And look, Joe, you do make a good point. Like, yeah, I mean, as college became more like pro, he became less comfortable with it. But he was always adaptable. But I do think that when you have a situation where you don't have good leadership above you, you don't have those things. And it's the same way in college. But like, if you have good leadership above you, if you have the people running the organization, the people that are the money of the organization, and we're not going to have time to do our NFL segment. We'll just keep on this for a little bit. But if you have the right people in place, then all of a sudden you can be successful and your talents can be fully realized. But if you don't, then you're kind of out of that and you go back to where you know that you're going to be successful because Nick Saban at any point in Alabama could have had another NFL job. Nobody thought of him as some kind of like NFL washout like Lou Holtz or something, that he just didn't have the right mindset for it. He just never went back there. He could, have, he could have won two or three of these national titles at Alabama and then said, you know what? This organization's really smart. I'm going to go work for the Rams or whatever. Yeah. You know, Like they know what they're doing. I'm going to go work there. As opposed to the Dolphins, who clearly don't. You know, Like the Lions didn't know what they're doing forever. And now it looks like, hey, they might have stumbled across something. You know, right. and But they're not like... Of the 32 teams in the NFL, only like five are consistently run well. You know, like people forget how bad the Patriots were before, yeah, before Belichick got there. Yeah. And like you had like 
Robert Kraft learned a lot from Belichick. We'll see how he applies that knowledge in the future with Gerard Mayo, but like, yeah. that's how it is. Just like LSU clearly learned from Nick Saban and was able to not fall completely off the tracks after he left. That's one of the most impressive things because LSU has not only been through head coaches, they've been through like five athletic directors yeah, too. Bunch, like man. they've been able to at least know like when somebody comes in like, okay, Saban did this. We know at least we've got the baseline for doing this. And then every coach who's been there – you know, Saban, Les Miles, Edo has won a national title. Now we'll see if Brian Kelly can keep that going. Ugh. Garrett has no faith in that, but I do not like that. Man. Yeah. So, is he just too corny? Yeah. He's a fraud, man. Everything oh. about it. Everything about it's fraudulent. Even go okay. back to Notre Dame. Can't win the big games. Look at this year. It's it's just it's a disaster. Yeah. Um, so we can stay on that all day. But the uh, <laughs> but no, I think like what does is it Horsher? How do how do you how the Who's the coach now at Alabama? DeBoer. DeBoer. Why am I thinking? Yeah. I, I don't know. Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer. Like, what does he have to do to be even relatively considered a success at Alabama? And to that effect, what can he even do in the intermediate to, like, plug the holes in the ship? I, Because I, it seems like it's like – Red alert going on mm -hmm. on that campus right now. Yeah. So I didn't. You know, I, I mean, I like I think I think DeBoer. I mean, he's just he's just he's just gonna have to do it his way and then win and then not worry about. But Nick did it this way. Nick did it this way. Nick did it this way. Like he's just gonna have to win. Like this, the only thing he can do is do it his way and win. And he's gonna have to deal with the fact that he's gonna be at the place where their expectations are so unreasonable. And it's gonna be nasty next year when he they go like seven and five. Yeah. But, like, there's, there are – Saban's the greatest, and there's only a few other coaches that are, like, in the ballpark of discussing about how they were able to win as consistently as they were for as long, and they didn't do it as well as he did with the restrictions he did. Like, to me, like, you're talking about Saban and Bryant and Bowden and Osborne and, you know, like <laughs> – Newt friggin' Rockney. I mean, like, there's just not like you're not talking about a lot I mean, of guys. He, he only really translates to like Bear Bryant and um, Woody Hayes. You know, well, I was thinking, I was thinking college basketball. I was thinking um, John Wooden. John Wooden, right? Yeah. You know, so like, you know, like, okay, I'll just because it's what I know. Like, Bobby Bowden would probably be considered the greatest college football coach ever in the modern era, if Nick Saban didn't exist because of not only did he win, he only won two national titles. So it's probably not like it would probably be Bryant and then Bowden, but Bowden in the modern era was probably the, the best because of in an era where there were only two teams that went the national championship game. He was in the top five, 15 years or 14 years in a row, like in that era when it was voted on, right? You know, like he was like, that's how dominant he was. Always and giving he, yourself a chance. And he wasn't even close to as dominant as Nick Saban was. Right. Like, Nick Saban took, okay, Bobby Bowden was this good. This, like, Nick Saban took, Bobby Bowden's this good. Bear Bryant was this good. He is so much better and figured things out more than both of those two football coaching geniuses. Yeah. That's how good he was. He has more, I think he has more national championship games or appearances mm -hmm. than he did double-digit losses at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like 44 to 24 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's unbelievable. I think they're really – I mean, if we're – semantic, but, like, and it is interesting because of how close their relationship is. Like, the only real, like, sort of comparison is 
Belichick. Yeah. In an era where people don't win multiple Super Bowls, let it be in a row. Yeah. But to be in that many, period. Um, like, he has more Super Bowl appearances. And, in fact, like, rings, if you want to count the Giants, like, rings or whatever, than, like, every franchise. Yeah. So, he's really only comparison to his, like, to his – his only peer is his, like, really good friend, Bill Belichick, yeah. which those conversations have to be wild. But uh, I – it is interesting that we're now in a, in a point where – there's just the changing of the changing of yeah. the guard, and I don't know if we we as a uh, one sports talk community or even the community at large online knows how to react quite yet about mm-hmm. like how do we talk about these guys? Like how do mm-hmm. we even contextualize what they did? Yeah, and then uh, but also uh, hell yeah, we just got another Alabama recruit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like yeah, it is it is it is wild because. I do think that there's going to be – there's always, like, a correction in the market. There's a correction in things. And right now, for Nick Saban, it, like, Nick Saban leaving is going to – I mean, this, we've already seen the ripple effect through, through – now, look, San Jose State probably never thought in their life that they would be affected because the Alabama coach <laughs> retired. Right. Right? But here's where we are. Yeah, it's the small domino leading up to the huge domino. Yeah, it's like it's like, okay, well, Nick Saban retires – and that means they're going to take the coach from Washington to go there. Yeah. And then Washington's going to take the coach from Arizona. Arizona's going to take this coach from San Jose State. And then there's going to be a smaller school than San Jose State, potentially, that's like, oh, we have to hire a new coach because the greatest football coach of all time retired. Yeah, South like, Dakota State's like really shaking in their boots right yeah, now. Yeah, and they, they might have a good, co- good coach. I, uh, so. Well, what, I just wanted to talk about this because it's really funny. I forget what the name of the agent is, but the agent of – I think he was the agent of Dan Lanning. Oh, Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton. So he's, he's the agent of all these guys that got all of them raises and then sent DeBoer to Alabama. Yes. It was That's unreal. It's great. He's never here's the thing about Jimmy Sexton. He's now peaked. Yeah. Because he'll never have another Nick Saban to make all this money off of again. Right. Because it's net like I would retire. Yeah. I mean He got everyone raises and then got his other client back into the Alabama look, job. He got Jimbo Fisher two raises at AM for nothing. Uh, yeah. he got I mean, he you know, I don't like I don't even know. Like, here's what we don't know. Did Mike Norvell ever talk on the phone with Greg Byrne, the athletic director of Alabama? Did Dan Lanning ever talk on the phone with Greg Byrne? Did that ever actually happen? Or did Jimmy Sexton just said, okay, who's on your short list? These are all my guys. Yeah. And I have this Rolodex. Would you like to look at it? Look, Seattle people, like Washington people, will always believe this because of Jimmy Sexton. A month and a half ago, Kalen DeBoer got offered a contract at Washington. And it sat on his desk and he changed agents. And Jimmy Sexton told him, hey, let's just wait and see. That's a smart agent move. You're not, they're not going to fire you. Right. You know, like, you're, you're fine. We'll, we'll, we'll work on this. And then, who's the only other person other than Miss Terry on earth who would have known that Nick Saban was thinking about retiring? His agent, Jimmy Sexton. Real so estate he, agents in Austin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would be the ultimate just dick move of the Saban family to just finally move. Lake to, Travis is nice this time of year. <laughs> to just finally move to Austin <laughs> after all the orange blood. So, um, yeah. 
What do you think? I mean, we're, we're going to wrap up, but like, this also shakes up the recruiting landscape, bar none, too. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just. Well, again, like, you know, you could be, and this was happening all the time, all the way down the road. The kid's grandmother loves you. Like, everybody loves you. This is where I want you to go. And then, you know, Nick Saban loses the kid to Georgia. And then he's like, all right, well, who's the next best defensive end? Or who's the next defensive end we can get? And they're like, oh, where is he committed? Oh, he's committed to, um, to Florida. All right, well, let's call him. And be like, hey, uh, George, this is uh, Nick Saban. You know me. Uh, <laughs> you might have heard of me. <laughs> um, hey, I know that you're committed to Florida and all that, and that's a fine institution. They, they do things pretty good there. But um, I was wondering if you would like to come and visit Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and look at like the shiniest trophies you've ever seen in your life yeah. and play for me uh, and probably be a first-round draft pick in the NFL, or you can go and you'll get your free pair of jorts and then you might be a first-round draft pick. But I can tell you, you know, like, hold on. Oh, hey. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Devontae Smith just popped in here and said hello. I didn't even know he was coming in today. Yeah. What do you know about that? He's the first wide receiver to win the Heisman since 1991. I did that. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, just call me back when you want to uh, see me. All right, bye. Uh, anyway, brother, your Camaro still runs on gas up here too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, I think those like that's over, like that yeah. that thing is gonna affect it because it wasn't just that he could just go and go these twenty. It was the last five, yeah. right? It was the last five that he went to the rivals. Like, oh, you want to go to LSU? I went to LSU. I had a good time there. Great food. Great food in Southern Louisiana. They tell you about the championship that I won. Yeah, there? I won there. I won. You know, I won one there. I want six here. Uh, I mean, like, and I don't know what, like, how good you are in math, but I, I know <laughs> that like Sesame Street taught me that six is more than one. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Why don't you come to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and not go there? And you know, uh, you'll have way more fun here, and you'll be a first-round NFL draft pick. And then like that, that whole thing, like, oh hey, and here's the deal: even if like the draft Knicks like put you down the list and you're like in the second, like you would be a fourth round pick if you went to Boston College, but you'll be a second round pick if you go here because people are like, well, he played for Nick Saban. How many like, snaps did he play? 10? Second round grade. Yeah, exactly. He just couldn't get on the field because of all the nine first rounders in front of him. Yep. That's just how it works. All right, so that's going to that's gonna do it. Um, uh, for us, thanks to Royden, thanks to Garrett. We, uh, we've got a very diverse show today we got cody bradford from the world champion rangers yay <laughs> I, I only i like cody i've interviewed him right yeah now. i only wanted to say that in front of you as an astros fan oh man Couldn't to make you take your medicine uh we have uh, manny navarro from the athletic talking about miami finally getting their quarterback and getting their first choice in cam ward so uh that was like that was surprising we didn't talk about that. it was surprising it was surprising and it is like You've got to feel good if you're a Miami fan because there was a time where you're like, well, who's it going to be? And no like, one? this is like, everyone keeps coming here and taking a visit and like taking a picture with their mom and dad on the beach and then going back to wherever they are and going somewhere else. So um, we also have Todd Archer uh, from ESPN talking about the Cowboys collapse uh, and then John McClain on the NFL playoffs. So lots, a very diverse show today. Diverse, diverse show of. Um, mostly white guests and Manny <laughs> I was going to say, this is the first time John McClain's been called diverse in his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> but, and Manny Navarro, who's a, who's, who's a lovely Cuban man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we, uh, we're going to be back uh, in an hour. This is 365 Sports on...
This, this is 360. You know what? Let's just end the show. 365 Bye. Sports. Bye. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. 